Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. Hello, we are back together today on Going There. Hello, everybody. And we have a fun guest today. We have Ryan Wampler here with us to talk a little bit about discipleship, which kind of seems daunting even to say that word and think about all the different things it can mean or has meant maybe for you personally. But we're kind of going to break it down and see like what does God say about discipleship? Why is it important? Maybe how we all kind of been confused in small ways of it in the past. And we wanted to bring Ryan in to help us do all of that. Yeah, guys, we're coming off our series of what I wish I would have known in my 20s. And we're honestly just super excited because Samantha and I have loved learning from these women in our interviews with them. And we hope that you have also enjoyed the content that they've shared with us. And so we thought it'd be a good time to talk with someone who has way more experience than we do and way just has a lot more wisdom than we do in this area. And so Ryan, thanks for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Why don't you start off a little bit by telling us what is your background you know, family life, work life, what do you do? What's your education? All of that. Sure. First and foremost, husband of my wife, Kelly, and been married about 24 years and three kids from high school, senior high school down to sixth grade and work at the crossing as a pastor of small groups. And I've been at the crossing 20 years, playing lots of different roles from high school ministry to college ministry to twenties. And and now small groups focusing on 30 plus And so, but originally got my start as a Christian in college here at the University of Missouri through a ministry called Crew. And my experiences of what it meant to be a Christian and to be discipled was very much tied to a system for me in my first early years as a Christian where I was given 10 follow-up materials of specific books that I read to make sure that I was grounded in these specific teachings. And then I was supposed to go and take those 10 books and go walk someone else through those very same. So it's very much of a a system. And so that was kind of my early years of what I thought of as discipleship and my ministry experience. And so for me, when I got a little bit further along, all of a sudden I started realizing everything didn't fit into the system. There are questions that were raised in life that weren't answered by the system. There are ways that I realized following Jesus looked different for different kinds of people. And so I was kind of attracted to some of the books that talked about spiritual direction, which was a kind of approach to discipleship by a guy, Eugene Peterson, wrote several books along those lines, Dallas Willard, people who emphasized that God is doing something unique in each person's life. And your job is to, as a spiritual director is the term he would use, is to figure out what God is doing in that person's life and to help them be a part of it. And so over the years, I've just tried to incorporate maybe both of those, that sometimes a system is necessary and sometimes what God is doing in that person's life is unique and it's helping that person to think through what acting that out looks like for them, what them being faithful in their life looks like. And and then trying to put that into practice with college students and in small ministries and large ministries, I've had to learn various different ways of trying to disciple and grow people through different issues of life. Yeah. I love what you just said there because all the time on this podcast, we talk about, I mean, I think anyone, including myself, I think we want our faith to be a black and white. We want someone to give us the direction and we just follow those directions. That sounds really nice to me because I can follow directions. And I think what you're just saying there, though, is like you believe discipleship looked like exact this system. And then you graduate college and you move into the real world and you're like, wait, this doesn't look 
like the system. Like this looks different than what I expected or this thing doesn't fit into that. And so what do I do? So it's not really served you like on a silver platter, like you were expecting it to just be like really plug and play. You had to like figure that out. And that looks different for all different types of people and different seasons of life. And I think that's good to remember going into this conversation because like right there, I think that's so wise. I do think that is a, I don't want to say issue or problem, but I think most people I've talked to have had a challenging time coming out of that college, whatever ministry, if you were in a college ministry, going from having maybe like a really awesome, from in my case, like young, trendy girl that would bring me coffee all the time and would want to meet up with me and would like come to things in my life. And I mean, I look back at that and I'm like, she was literally paid to do that. I mean, she was paid to hang out with me and be my friend. And so, and to lead me through everything, you know, but that was hard for me afterwards to be like, oh, well, where's the like older couple after Justin and I got married right out of college? It's like, well, where's the older couple that's going to like do that for us, you know? And so it just does kind of change. And I think that maybe in some ways that college ministries or any kind of younger adult ministry has to prepare the college students to say like, you know, it is a unique time in life and it might not look like this when you go move for your new job in Nashville next month or whatever. I don't know. I think we could probably all do a better job of helping them understand that and then also realizing that as well, that it's just not always going to be that set up. Yeah. So you now work with 30s plus in small groups. So obviously you are, you've been in a lot of different phases of life with people in college ministry. I met you when you were leading Veritas at the time when I was in college. And that was what, nine years ago, yeah. 10 years ago, which is so weird. See, I, I only met you as 20. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, Ryan and Kelly you. were like the cool couple. It was like, oh yes. Yeah. Really? There's some people I've, I've known since lot. they yeah. were in junior high and just every phase I keep going up with and I'm, I'm sure cool. they're there sick of, oh my gosh, can't we get away <laughs> no, from this they're, guy? They're the ones that you love the most. So you're like, I'm going to move with them mm-hmm. along my phases. That's cool. No, but that's amazing. But now you're with small groups, 30s plus. And so, what do you see discipleship looking like these days? Kind of like, what do you see? Like you said, you've seen a lot of different types of discipleship, but what are you seeing right now in discipleship in either how it's working well right now? What problems you see in it? What's that kind of maybe even coming off the year we've had or the years we've had with COVID too? Yeah. I mean, you're bringing up a couple points, which is, you know, discipleship is always contextual, which is that there's always unique circumstances that are going on. And so a pandemic has, brought problems of how do you connect with people when you're being socially isolated, particularly in the early stages. And so our big message to a lot of people was it is so important for you to just stay connected in whatever way you can. Mm -hmm. If at all possible, get together in person because face-to-face interaction, we just interaction we just know is so much so much more powerful to see the Mm nonverbals and to connect with people. But if you can't get together in person, you you know, staying connected through text and because those relationships are so important for us. But I think overall, the issues change, but the foundation is the same, which is that what we're trying to do is not make disciples of Ryan Wampler, mm-hmm. not trying to make disciples of of Keith Simon or any other people here at the crossing. The goal is for everyone to be a disciple of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's the mission that we're giving. And there's not any one person here at the crossing, myself included, that has everything that somebody needs in order to learn from us. Because we all have weaknesses and foibles. Because, you know, discipleship is so broad and vast. In essence, it's when Jesus is giving his mission to his disciples, 
you know, he gives them what's called the Great Commission, you know, to go and make disciples, you know, and that included helping somebody become a disciple for the first time. But he also said that's teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you to obey, which meant putting into practice all that the Bible teaches, all that the Christian life. And so it's so holistic because it means emotional maturity. It means intellectual believing the right kinds of things. It means living the right kind of way. And no one person at the church has everything except Jesus. And so all that we're trying to do is coming along as broken people, ourselves trying to learn from Jesus, trying to come along and help somebody, you know, take steps to follow Jesus in the ways they can through the circumstances that they are going through that might look different than mine. I love that, though, because it's easy. I mean, that's a good reminder for me, even as I have had seasons where I am really intimately connected with an older woman who walks alongside me in a lot of ways, and we meet together weekly or monthly, or that's looked different in different seasons. Right now, I even am discipled by someone who lives 200 miles away from me, and that just looks like phone calls and texts, and I she just knows intimate details about my life and my relationship and me growing with Jesus. But it's so interesting to me because sometimes it is hard when the person you're discipling, like you're saying— it's not like us getting discipled by someone or discipling someone looks like we have it all together. It's not like I'm not going to meet the need for every person that I disciple. And my person discipling me is not going to meet my every need. And we may have different opinions about different things sometimes. And we may, one person may be farther along in a certain thought or idea than the other person. I think that's good to remember because I think, honestly, it's kind of God's like grace in that is that we can't be totally obsessed with someone because somehow that person's going to fail us in some way. And ultimately, the only thing we have, like, you know, joining us is Jesus and we can learn and grow about him together, which I think is really cool. It is good. I think, you know, you kind of hit on how we all maybe have had experiences with discipleship in the past and then really what the Bible says about it, which is so funny because sometimes I think we can get in our heads of like, oh, I need to do this. And then it's like, okay, even Christian and I talking about this, we're like, wait, what does the Bible say about discipleship? I mean, yeah, of course we know the like, go and make fishers of men. And we know about all these commandments and he talks about his disciples, but let's actually go and look like, what did this look like? And where did this come from? And so I guess because you gave some of that biblical context, like how do you see us viewing discipleship wrong in some ways? Or what do you kind of see in either in younger adults or in, you know, 30s plus? How do you see people viewing that wrong? Yeah. I mean, part of it is I think the goal isn't to become a disciple of someone at your church, you know, but it's ultimately a disciple of Jesus. And that's a kind of hit on. But, you know, the other part of it is, you know, discipleship should be occurring everywhere amongst Christians. Mm -hmm. It's not just in a set structured relationship that happens once a month at a coffee shop. It is something that happens within families and within roommates. It happens within friendships. It should be occurring within church as a whole in all aspects of what a church is doing. It should happen in classes. It should affect even how we are engaging online is that we are being discipled and we are discipling by our content online of what we are putting out. It should happen through books. you know. And so all that to say is just that discipleship is not just a very specific technical kind of relationship. It's that we're all learning what it means to follow Jesus. And we're just doing it well or badly, you know, yeah. but we're called to do that. And it doesn't have to look one way, you know, because sometimes it is going to be a temporary system that is just a setup short-term relationship 
to intensely help somebody or help each other grow. And sometimes it's going to be an organic, less intense living life together and helping each other follow Jesus over a longer stretch of life together. But it's not going to always be one. Yeah, Mm, that's good. How do you think that some, you know, we're kind of talked about, we're like viewing it wrong, we're doing it and we're, it's right in front of us in a lot of ways. I mean, I even think about like classes that are offered at the crossing that, you know, I'm really quick to pass up on. And it's like any chance we can learn and grow or hear from someone from their life experience, that's a chance to be discipled. And so, I don't know, I think coming back from this pandemic, like trying to enter back into normalcy and like looking at how our world has changed, I'm hearing a really strong sense of this just like church consumerism. I'm sure there's a more theological, biblical word that people are using right now to describe that. But it's kind of like, what can a church offer me? Like if I'm going to step back into that, I'm feeling down, I'm hurting after this thing we've all gone through. Like, what can I get? I need the right small group. I want it to be on the perfect night and be the perfect couple leading it. And I'm feeling a lot of that from my peers and even I can fall into that. And so do you think that that's part of the same mentality of this discipleship of like, okay, well, my life is feeling really chaotic. I need a disciple. I need someone to like sit me down and just like give, give, give to me and help me get my life back in order. I don't know. Absolutely. I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think we're all trained here in America in this day and age to be consumers. That is just how we're trained to think about all aspects, including how we think about church and small groups and relationships. And partly I have compassion for a lot of people because this has been a tough year and a half. And even somebody saying, I need something right now, I want to grow in my relationship, I think is a great thing. Sometimes where that desire I think can go wrong is thinking that it has to look a certain kind of way, you know, and that it has to really measure up to exactly what I think. Cause sometimes I think we can just approach it too idealistically because nobody's going to measure up to the exact kind of discipler that we want. No small group is going to have all the level of maturity we want. And perhaps sometimes God doesn't want us to grow in an idealistic way, but he wants to grow us in the normal, messy yes. <laughs> relationship. Real life way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like freeing even thinking about that because I think it just spills over into so many different ways that we probably have a little bit of a distorted view of what it means to follow Jesus, especially right now. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I remember even when we like approached this topic again, coming off the series and us learning and growing from these older women we've been interviewing, Samantha and I were even looking up like the definition of like discipleship. I'm like, what does even that mean? And it literally means to like be trained up. And so when you think about that, like Ryan, I love what you said, like there's a lot of opportunities to be trained up in something. And so if that is like, you know, even what we're consuming. So even are we being wise about the social media accounts we're following or the books we're reading or the like media we're consuming that like in a way we are being discipled by that if that's in a good way or in a bad way and I think that's like really convicting to me to think about yeah like am I taking up those opportunities to go to a class or to join you know a book club of a book that my small group's reading or listen or, to a great podcast there you yes. go thank you Ryan <laughs> or listen to a good podcast yeah but all of those things I mean I think yeah, we have this like idealistic idea of discipleship, but in a way we're really being discipled every single moment of every day, you know, with what we're consuming anyway. So 
That's good. Okay, I have a question. So say I do want to have a more like practical or not practical, like blatant view of this discipleship relationship. Is it okay to like ask an older woman that I see in church or in my life to disciple me? And then is it okay for that person to say, you know, I'm not able to commit to this time right now? Or for me, if a younger girl asked me that, how should we approach that? I think that this is a great question because it's a real practical issue. And I'd say it is absolutely right to ask. (laughs) It's good that you want to learn. And I think somebody should feel appreciated and respected that they are asked by someone to cultivate more of an official kind of relationship like that, where somebody would like to learn some things from them. So absolutely, I think it's good to ask. I think it's also just good to recognize that we are all limited people. We're limited in time. We're limited in emotional energy. And the person that we're asking just may not have the space or the time to actually cultivate a specific relationship like that. Because God calls all of us to be a wise steward of our time. And there's only so much we can do. And Jesus himself only chose 12 disciples to pour into on an in-depth way. <laughs> and you know, he had a broader band of followers, a broader band of disciples that he also developed. And he also had a ministry to the masses, but he could only disciple 12 in the way that he wanted to. And he was doing it full time and, you know, traveling around for three years. And he was Jesus. And he was Jesus. (laughs) Yes. And we are not. So that's a great reminder. Yeah. That's good because I do think that that's just something some girls are like, well, I'm like either too scared to do that or maybe just maybe if they're asked, like, wouldn't feel comfortable saying like, you know, I maybe in the future or we can still get together, but I can't give you maybe exactly what you're looking for. or asking like, what are you looking for? Like, what are your expectations of this relationship? So, and I know when people have asked me and I have to say, no, you know, I sometimes have to be willing to stretch and sometimes I have to try to fit it in. And I think sometimes when someone's asking us, those are the things we have to think through. Is it just because I just want my schedule to run nice and smoothly the way that I want to? Or can I really make the space to do it? But everything we're saying yes to, sometimes we're saying no to something. We have to be wise about it. But I know that anytime that somebody asks me, I feel terrible saying no. And I feel terrible because I want to say yes. Because if I could, I would disciple a thousand people. You know, I mean, it's just that I literally and physically cannot do that. And so one of the things that I think we should do as a church in terms of discipling relationships is realizing that we also need to be raising up other people to disciple. So sometimes it's saying, okay, I'll meet with you for a while with the idea that you'll meet with people, you know, after we're done. And in that sense, multiplying the number of people that we can disciple Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And I I think about the times that I have asked people, my husband and I have had the opportunity to be discipled by a few couples of several times. And I'm thankful for that opportunity. But even at times, like I have had people either say like, hey, we can't do this anymore, or I don't have the time anymore. And I remember at first feeling kind of like hurt and almost like offended of like, wait, was I not what you expected? Was I not good enough? Oh, gosh, am I too broken? Like, I remember having all these thoughts. But I think the times like, I mean, after my little pity party for myself, I get over it. And I realize like, 
that's stupid that I'm thinking that. But I do think it's really good. A few of those couples, I think back now of the ways they have resourced me and my husband in saying like, hey, you know what? One of our favorite books, you know, if we've reached out to them and said like, hey, we would really love to learn from you and your marriage. Like we think you guys have a really awesome marriage that we want to one day have and grow into having, you know, they'll say, this is one of our favorite marriage books. You guys should read this. Or, hey, you know, this is one really sweet thing that my husband and I do. And so they will, they have checked in on us over our years of marriage and sweetly honestly like almost discipled us in these sweet little reminders that like that doesn't look like much time but they are people who I mean they like are still kind of in our lives and we see them periodically but they are people who like I know in any point if I really needed something in my marriage or in life I could go to this woman and she would be like come sit with me I'll pray with you and that is so sweet and it's not even like she's really given me that much time like tangibly but she has given me thought and attention and just like resources, which I've loved. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's cool that we can all probably sit here. Hopefully, as you're listening, you can think of people, even if you're saying, okay, I'm a new Christian, I don't feel like I've ever had anyone like that. But just thinking of like, maybe it's a grandma or an older person or someone in your life that just maybe they, you know, if it was a grandma, she used to say a Bible verse to you or someone that you can just look at and say like, okay, whether I knew it or not, I was evaluating their life. I was looking at how they were living and I was kind of like learning from them and deciding if I wanted to live that way. And so I think these relationships can be really sweet people. I can think of countless women over my lifetime. And you know what? It's not the women that first season met with me mm-hmm. weekly. Usually it's women that have weaved in and out of my life, like you were saying. And so I hope that all of us have someone like that. And if not, you can think through, like, how can I look for that and also be that to people under me? Because that's important too. Like if we're going to expect that from older women, we have to evaluate our lives of like, how am I being that for someone else? And that's a lot of how we grow. Yeah. I mean, uh, we become better disciples as we help other people. We, you learn things that you wouldn't learn just being taught them by helping somebody else to learn. That's mm-hmm. good. That's yeah, good. I love that. I've taken a lot of pieces of encouragement here. Like, I hope that you guys are encouraged too, but just thinking through like, what are ways that I can either be consuming really great content that is discipling me in a way, or maybe saying yes to the class or the offering, or even like inviting someone to coffee who maybe she's a few years younger than you. There's a lot of different things I think we can take away from this conversation just as tangibles to move forward and to grow to be better followers of Christ yes. in a lot of different ways. So yeah, we appreciate Appreciate your time, Ryan. Yeah, you offered so a much. lot of wisdom. Appreciate you having me. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.